Literary Scape presents the historical, inspirational book club podcast, the first of its kind. This show is for those who love clean romance adventure stories from the 1800s. In this episode, Tiffany and Melissa will be discussing the third book in Laurie Copeland's Men of the Saddle series, The Maverick. Susan McCord has outthought, outmaneuvered, and just plain outfought Cass Claxton every time. Now he's determined to get the spitfire off his hands once and for all. If only she'd stop finding ways to work her way into his heart. The prologue, the beginning of this story, Cass is driving home and is like this dialogue in his head that you hear where he's talking about no woman would hogtie and brand him. But yet at the same time, he has regret over losing Winnie to Cole a little bit. Not yeah. a lot, but a little. Yeah. That surprised that was me. was the only one that he's ever been able to get that close with, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Kind of what I was getting out of that. Yeah. And then as far as women go, he said he could take him or leave him. And he still had wild oats to sow. I'm like, you are the little brother that's the wild child. <laughs> the description of Cass in this beginning makes it sound like he was uh-oh, pretty wild compared to his brothers, Cole and Bo. And then Suzanne, he's driving. He sees four riders coming at him. And it's the sheriff, the reverend. Suzanne and her dad. Mm -hmm. Can you believe the lie Suzanne told just to trap Cass into taking her into St. Louis? Yeah. I remembered when you said last time that this book, the first part, you guys didn't like her. And I was like, what's going on? I know she was like kind of bratty in the last one. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I was like, what in the world? Mm -hmm. And then for them to just pull a gun to him. Yeah. Like, yeah, you wouldn't expect that in today's world but in this time period i get it but to for her to make up that lie that was ridiculous i I mean she really you don't accuse a man of taking advantage of you like that yeah when it's not true i mean she destroyed his name his good name and she was the one that came out to their farm Mm -hmm. and tracked him down like we knew the backstory so it was and remember she's the one that was like oh i just can't ride back into town so they were like fine stay in the cabin being good people charity Bo, and Cass were all in the cabin yeah and that's why he was like you can ask my brother nothing happened between her and I. Right. And her dad was just like... I think her dad was kind of like, get her off my Yeah, because he was like adamant, you will marry. And that's why then the sheriff put the gun yeah. to him. And the reverend was like, just, you're going to have to do it, son. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, no, this isn't right. right. I'm so mad. So even with that description that at the beginning where he's like, oh, I still have wild oats to sow and everything. He still took marriage seriously like Cole and Bo did. Right. So he didn't want to enter it lightly. And he was really angry about the lie that disgraced his name and for her trapping him into a sham marriage. And he says a man and a woman didn't marry lightly, just like his brothers said before. The significance of deciding to marry seems to be a theme in this series. I agree. It shows up in every book. Uh Uh-huh. So at this point, what are you thinking of Cass and what are you thinking of Suzanne? I mean, from the other books, we had to wait, you know, the whole story for a marriage and then boom, Mm -hmm. the first couple pages we get a marriage, but it was kind of like a shotgun wedding. Yeah. And based on lies. Yeah. Because he was like, I'm not marrying her because that's not true. Nothing happened. And then the sheriff pulls the gun on him and that's why when I read it, I thought, I can't believe Lori's writing this and then expects me to like Suzanne in the end. Because right now, right. I can't stand that woman. Yeah. So then chapter one is six years later. Well, I should we, I should say at the end of the prologue, 
he literally just dumps her at her aunt's place in St. Louis, throws money at her and says, get this sham of a marriage annulled. So then six years later, Suzanne is a completely different person. Yeah, seems to be Mm -hmm. at least a different life. Yeah, I would agree. I would say her old self still pops out quite a bit. Especially when Cass comes around. Cass really draws it out her. draws out the bad or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. When she gets to her aunt, her aunt is running an orphanage and she has nine children. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting her to want to come back to this life for the, you know, the maids and the pampered life. And to find out she'd been helping run an orphanage, I was like, mm-hmm. oh. And then her aunt passed away. Her aunt had like mortgaged that house out mm-hmm. to help pay for supplies. So now the bank's coming to take it and she's got to find a new place for her and the kids to live. And then she also has Corliss and Harlan, who are an older couple that stay there and help her take care of the kids. So they're all she's trying to find a place to live. What did you think about the change that Suzanne had gone through after finding her aunt? I was impressed. but. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. Didn't seem like that kind of a person to be want to be around children in yeah. the first couple book or in the first or the last book we read, I guess. Yeah. yeah the end, the end of the drifter yeah. where you meet her and then the beginning of the Maverick here. Brat, and then she, she's very selfish. Yeah. I don't care that I'm hurting someone else. I'm going to get what I want. It's kind of how she was before. And then here we go. The lies. She's going to meet. She knows she's looking at this house that the man who owned it passed away and it's sitting empty. And she wants to ask whoever who the owner is so that she can see if she can rent for the orphanage. And so she goes to find the lawyer And she lies to the lawyer to get information. Oh, the governor. She's the governor. Yeah, because the lawyer's like, I I cannot tell you. Because he said, well, the guy's business partner is the one who's in charge of the estate. He goes, well, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you who that is. And yeah, she says, well, I'm the governor's niece. I'm sure he would really appreciate it if you helped me out. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's our sneak. I girl. know. That's why I said maybe she hasn't changed much after yeah. all, you know. And then she finds out who the business partner is. It's Cass. Yeah. In this last six years, he has really built up his wealth. Yeah. And he is he was a business partner with that guy that had passed away. Yeah, multiple people, it seems like. And that guy didn't have any family, so it automatically, everything of his went to Cass. It's interesting. But then, you know, you leave Suzanne there going, oh my word, I'm going to have to talk to Cass. And then it goes into Cass's home, which is like this elaborate mm-hmm. ornate home, it sounds like. him. he has a butler and, right. and everything. It doesn't sound like Cass at all. When you think about it, he comes from a farming family. Right. And there's a Lore is there. I think that's how I don't know if you say Lore or Lori. Yeah. I in my mind I did a Lore. I don't know if it's French. French. So I did Lore. I don't know if that's yeah. the right or <laughs> I like it. I like it. What did you think of her relationship with Cass here when they kinda it kinda walks in and her and Cass are in his office together? Yeah. It was like, oh, who's this? It seemed like another one little flirty. He's like, I like having her around. She's pretty. She's nice to look at. And she wants to be married to him right and right. he doesn't I don't know he's just kind of like well I'm into my business stuff I'm, I'm not really into family life right. or getting married. married I just I thought it was interesting and it was kind of vague like their relationship are they yep. are they friends yep are they friends with benefits are they actual like is he actually courting her or right. not it's right. very very vague which is Cass but as he's sitting there too he is thinking about like he felt the price that he's paid for worldly pursuits 
And he thought maybe it was too high because he hadn't connected with his family in years. And were you surprised at how little he had seen or talked to his family over the last several years? Yeah, because even though he was kind of like the outcast brother, mm. not so much outcast, but he wasn't as strong-willed as Bo and um, Cole. Mm-hmm. I still felt like he had that family yeah, they just seemed like such a tight-knit you know? family that I was surprised. But like he said, he, he's kind of feeling like maybe pursuing wealth and worldly things wasn't really worth it. I think he got tied up in it. You also find out then on page 19, before she even meets Cass, you find out, or sees Cass again, I should say, that she never got the annulment. Yeah, I was like, so they've been married this whole time? Here's the thing. <laughs> she didn't get the annulment, and then she thought that he did it when he specifically gave her the money and told her to get it done. To do it. And so then yeah. she goes, well, he probably did it, and I just never saw the paperwork. This so for six years, they've been married and didn't know it. It's crazy. And yeah. then I have to laugh because she shows up at Cass's, and she sees Lore leave. She kind of runs into her and gets a little yeah. jealous. Yeah. Jealous. And then his butler, I think it's Zar, S-A-R was his spelling of that name. I think it's Zar, tells Cass that he has a visitor, but Cass is getting ready to go to that charity of ball or something. So he goes, well, they're going to have to come on Monday. And he goes, well, she's insisting and her name is McCord. And he failed to remember that name. He's like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how could you forget her? Right. Well, yeah, I guess the out of the anger probably pushed her to the back of his mind. Yeah. <laughs> that nemesis, dark nemesis of mine. So then we move on. She's going to have to go to that ball. Well, she was planning to go anyhow. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. kind she of had a been invited. Tristan event. Yeah, you're right. She had been invited to try to buy Lorraine's dad so that she could maybe get some funds for the orphanage. Yeah. Yes. And she has a friend that's like a wealthy gambler. Isn't that interesting? And he kind of just takes her around and helps her out here and there. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So chapter two, page 27, Suzanne's kind of reflecting on her aunt Estelle and she had such a profound impact on Suzanne. So is there someone in your life that has had a similar impact on your life? I mean, she really took Suzanne in and changed her and really showed her what it means to have a relationship with God and what it means to try to live daily for him. So, I mean, in a, di- in a different aspect, mm-hmm. you know, when my grandma was sick when I was younger, yeah. um, then the home health care nurses always came out to her and there were several. I mean, we had the same ones all the mm-hmm. time and they were so sweet and they were so genuine mm-hmm. and they would show me different things and that kind of instilled, yeah. you know, I've always wanted to be a nurse. So that was, I mean, they did. and my aunt Doreen, mm-hmm. she really, she was always a nurse. So I always yeah. wanted, I did my interview for that with her. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that in that aspect, like career wise, yeah. um, they influenced me. When you look back, there's probably several people that just influence different parts of your life. Yeah. I always think of my grandparents. In fact, I only have one grandma left now, which I'm lucky to even have her still with us. My mom's parents passed away when we were when I was in high school. So it's been so long. Their impact was like teaching like prim and proper. You know what I mean? Like you're a lady. This is what ladies do. And also spoiling us to death. Those were the grandparents that if you were getting in trouble and they were around you just hid behind them and you weren't in trouble anymore. (laughs) Kind of grandparents, which (laughs) you got to love that. That's what grandparents are for. Then my dad's on my dad's side, they also were very loving and very much 
spoiledness, but I think they instill more of like the grit in us when you just they did spoil us, but to a point. And then it was like, you know what? You need to earn this and you need to know what it means to work and what the reward of working. Those are the ones that stand out to me. But as I get older, of course, my parents, I think back of the things that they did. Oh, yeah. Anyways, I thought her aunt did an amazing job with her, especially because she lost her mom. So she didn't have that woman figure in her life anymore. What was your reaction to Suzanne's description of Cass when she's looking at him on page 35 and 36? She was checking him out. She's like, why did... I let that go. <laughs> I kind of chuckled. I thought, oh my word. It's again, some foreshadowing happening here. And then he's kind of, yep, yep. he, when he sees her, it's an immediate reaction. Like it all came back. Yeah. And he is not nice. Oh my gosh. He ends up pinning her on yeah. the veranda because he's livid and she bit him to get yeah. away. I had to laugh at that. And he was like, oh, he he was like, oh, my gosh, she just bit me. I mean, I mean, he they just go at it like (laughs) cats and dogs. That's right. And that's the way it is through the whole story. Yeah. And have you ever done that, though? Bit someone like to get away? I don't think so. You know, I worked over at the camp across the lake here playing around after work with well we worked with there was boys and girls but (laughs) you're just like messing around and if I ever got pinned by one of the guys I bit them (laughs) I did and the thing that started they started saying they started started saying oh watch out the messers are biters (laughs) I said hey it's like my last tool to like right. break free of your grip right now. Not right. they weren't being mean or anything. Right. We used to play like frisbee football and right. you know different things like that. Yeah, I'm a biter, and You're so it just, just became a saying over at camp. Those messers are biters. <laughs> I mean, I've had a couple of patients that have tried to bite me, but I mean, oh. <laughs> well, you've been on the receiving end. Oh my god! Yeah, I've been on the other end. You, oh they don't want their foot shot or something. That's you know? crazy, Tip. Let's go to chapter three. Okay. Cha- okay. So he, she asked to be able to rent the house, and he flat out refuses. That's why they got into a fight on the veranda. Right. So she goes home and she tells them that they're going to have to move to Cherry Grove because her dad said that they could all move there and live with him at his house. And that's a big trip from St. Louis to Cherry Grove. So they did all this planning for like the wagon, the oxen, and she got all the supplies around. But then on page 60, she tricks Cass again by sending him a fake wire from Bo that said, come quick. Yeah. Because she needed a, a she needed a man that she, knew the yeah, trail she, to get them from St. Louis to Cherry Grove yeah. and for protection. So what does she do the day they start to leave? She sends a wire saying it's from Bo that they that he needs help fast. She's a manipulator to get what she wants, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Cass, you know, he gets the he gets the wire and he immediately he's he tells his butler, get the horse ready. I'm leaving in five minutes and he's packing and leaving. Then when he rides out, it's raining and they have their wagon mm-hmm. is yeah. already stuck in a hole. And stuck. he Cass <laughs> watches for a little while. And he reminds me of Cole in the Peacemaker when he didn't want to stop and help the stage coach. But it was Bo that was like, we need to go in and help him. And Cole was like, I don't even want to get involved. Right. So for a moment, I wondered if he was going to stop to help Suzanne and the kids get the wagon wheel out of the hole. What about you? I 
think that if he wouldn't have seen mm-hmm. the kids first and the older guy and Suzanne yeah. was kind of tucked back, if I remember right. And I think if he would have saw yeah. her, then he would not have stopped. But I think because mm-hmm. there was the kids and, and the old he guy. He did come he, up and, he and stopped to help. saw her and then she literally had to beg him to help. And she said, not for me. Can you do it for the kids? And that's, I think, when he saw Aaron and Payne. I think they're the older two boys trying to help yeah. Harlan, the older man, and they weren't getting anywhere with it. But they spent like half a day trying to get... Right yes. Town, yeah. Stopped right outside of town, I felt like. I would have So then that. he agrees to escort them and he's kind of sitting with them and the kids are very much interested in his colt his gun Mm -hmm. i love the comment that he makes about his colt yeah because you remember the four-year-old joseph he's like straddling Cass's chest and and wants to like Cass is trying to take a nap and and he can't and he's and so then He's wake up. So now Brian's like, so now that you're awake, um, will you show us your gun? And so he does it. And he says, a gun can either save your life or take it. You have to learn to respect whatever kind of weapon you decide to carry. This particular pistol is what they call a percussion revolver. And so I just like that. You do have to respect the weapon. And it's the person, not the weapon, that is the problem. But then I had to laugh, too, because on page 83, Lucy, she's so sweet, says Lucy (laughs) flinched. Oh, yeah, because they talked about there is there is a chance that the revolver can discharge accidentally Mm -hmm. and so then she moves closer to Cass and she drapes her arm protectively around his neck and says throw it away me don't want you her I love you I thought it was so sweet oh so sweet (laughs) and then I had to laugh because then Suzanne says she's clean like doing laundry or something I don't know she goes I don't want you her I love you and they all were like what but she was just (laughs) correcting um Lucy's yeah. language, but yeah, she gets so embarrassed by cute. that. But yeah, I thought that was cute. <laughs> what was your reaction? Okay, so Phoebe's the youngest. Can't remember. She's like two yeah, years old or so. She's pretty, little. she's very little. Yeah, she's really yes. little. And she likes to suck her thumb all the time. <laughs> what was your reaction to her grabbing Cass's nose? Because she like stays away from him. She's been kind of scared of him. And then he gets down on the level with her. Yeah, it was hilarious. And a typical <laughs> to the three year old, you know, has been it remind me a lot of Suzanne like how he had gotten mm-hmm. all this love and affection from everybody else and then yeah and that was like her way of saying I accept you right. I mean he like fell <laughs> back <laughs> I know he's like Don't his throat hurts. or his nose is like throbbing <laughs> from her you're, like throbbing. <laughs> yes and your eyes water and oh, oh yeah. wow it, it was hilarious anyways so she so Phoebe finally accepts him so it's like all the kids really start to really cling to I don't want to say cling to him but yeah comfortable with him him as as a leader of the group and mm -hmm. he's going to get them they're safe and then on page 92 and 93 it's like the others are off I can't even remember what they're off doing but Cass is left with Phoebe and she keeps saying me want cow do we want cow do and he goes I don't know what that is and it wasn't until I think Aaron (laughs) came back. Yeah, Aaron came back from whatever he was doing. He goes, it means water. She wants water. So how many times have you not understood what a kid was saying? <laughs> but doesn't it amaze you that like the adults don't understand, but the kids understand what they want? It That always amazes right. me. I had a student who had severe speech issues, communication issues, and I always felt terrible because 50% of the time I didn't know what he was asking for. But every kid in my class 
was like, Mrs. LeSher, he wants this. He's saying this <laughs> like I was stupid. I'm like, I'm glad you guys Aww. can interpret for me because I felt terrible about just didn't yeah. understand him. It's just amazing how kids can do that. Uh, what did you think about Cass's thoughts of Jesse and Frank James? So remember, Jesse and Frank were in the first in the Peacemaker with Cole and Cole had kind of didn't really yeah. duel it, but he said, that's my woman. I'm taking her. And then while Cass and Aaron were out hunting, Bull Hansen and his gang members showed up and were just kind of making themselves at home at the campsite. And they kept watching mm -hmm. Suzanne and everything and making her pretty nervous. And she kept saying, well, my husband's my husband will be back soon. He's just out hunting. After a little bit, yeah. they were like, I'm not sure that she really does have a husband. And anyways, it gets a little scary for a moment. And he talks about how these gangs just kind of try to be like Jesse and Frank. And he yeah. used to, he said once Cass had admired Frank and Jesse James, believing them to be victims fighting for their rights. Over the years, his view had changed when he came to realize the truth. Frank and Jesse might have started out with noble intentions, but they had turned into renegade outlaws who would rather steal than work. I have to agree with his right. opinion because I did some research after The Peacemaker just in another book that I read that I was like, I got to know if this is true about him. I felt like they did start out with yeah. noble causes like they truly were fighting for the South and wanting to help the South. But then they had also been severely mistreated by the North and the so is it Jayhawkers. Is that what they were called? That, that fought for the North, but they were kind of like a gang, too. And Jesse was beat almost to death by them trying to find they wanted to find Frank, mm. his brother. And then at the same time, they had repeatedly strung his stepdad up in front of him, like never killed him, but. Oh Enough gosh. that it, uh, I believe it did brain damage in the end. So then it was oh, after that. Man. That's when Jesse, Jesse really changed. When I read, when you read the biography, that's when he was like, I, he would just point blank shoot people. So I'm, I'm kind of yeah. like, it's interesting yeah. when you go back and do the research. I agree with Cass's opinion. And I kind of wonder if that's Lori's opinion. Like when she did the research, is that how she felt too? And so she just wrote mm -hmm. that in as Cass's opinion. I was just curious. Those pieces of history always intrigue me. Make it more accurate, too. So this gang is sitting there and he comes in with the with um, Aaron and he sees him before they see him. So he kind of sets up to take care of him and he eventually gets them to move on. But he is also very worried about mm -hmm. them coming back. Right. I think this is, too, when he starts seeing Suzanne as a lady, realizes that technically is the wife. <laughs> he did not like the way that the Joe one in the gang, the one called Joe in the gang was watching Suzanne. And he made comments right. about, uh, I think, when Ga when Cass was telling him it was time to move on. And he said... Um, I kind of like the company I have here or the pleasures that are here. And he he's like, yeah, no, you can move on. Yeah. Finally, they're gone. So they settle in. And the description of Harlan and Corliss snoring reminds me of my parents. OK, because I think it was like uh, Corliss sounds like she's just letting off steam. And Harlan is like sounds like a freight train while he's snoring, which is totally <laughs> my parents. I'm not even kidding. You could hear dad. Yeah, we would sleep upstairs. You could hear him snoring and he was downstairs. OK. And then mom does this like little like. Poof. So it would be like this big snore from dad. And then mom goes. Poof. 
I mean, they were like in tune with each other. It, <laughs> I wish Jessica was here to talk about it because she would die laughing. I was going to ask her if she remembered that or not. Do you deal with snoring at your house? Hans doesn't make peep, so Natalie snores a little bit, but she's yeah. yeah it's been better since she had her tonsils out. Yeah. But I had an aunt that when she would stay with us, she would rock the whole house. So oh, my <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it's anyways. So then on page one hundred three, then. Suzanne's just trying to get everybody, all the kids down. And Phoebe, Phoebe is kind of scared. Like those guys that came in scared her. And she says, she's tucking her in. And I liked Phoebe's comment. She says that God and her cast were keeping her safe. Her cast. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cast. cast. I know. He's They're just falling in love kids. with them. He, do, he does really well with them, I feel like. Yeah, he's know. getting there. He's yeah. getting there. So <laughs> Suzanne can't really sleep, so she decides to take a walk. And he's like, the least you could do is stay in the shadows, you know, so people don't know. You know, the, I have to watch because. Right. You know, I thought something yeah. bad was going to happen. When I that know. I'm like, you're not very smart. Like, oh. You're just kind of wandering out there. And that's what he tells her. He goes, you realize if those men come back. They're coming back for you. You are the reason I have to stand out here. And, right. And she was like, Lord, oh, I didn't even realize that or think of that. Really? Anyways. <laughs> but this is where they have their first kiss. Okay. What was your reaction mm-hmm. to that? I was surprised. But I also feel like how, you know, Cass has said in the past mm-hmm. that he's a, a wild horse or whatever, sowing his wild oats. I was like, well, technically mm-hmm. they're married. So I think he's going to. Yeah. And then it was like. She's like, oh, like kind of falls into it. And then it's like, and then it's immediately they're like button heads again. Yeah. Interesting. Because I think he, she tripped and he had kind of like scooped her up to keep her from falling. And that's when they kissed. Oh, my. All right. So then Cass starts to admit to himself that he has a growing attraction to Suzanne. Do you think he can get past all that she's done to him? Knowing at this point, he still doesn't know that she's the one that sent the fake telegram to him from his brother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he does it because somebody doing all those mean things to you, that's a hard thing. I'm starting to think that Suzanne's a little imbalanced, too, because the I know <laughs> the next morning, you know, she he's working on something on the wagon or something. And she throws the dirty dishwater on him. And I can't even figure out why. Yeah, I mean, was... I don't know if she's mad about the kiss. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I didn't get that either. Yeah, They're just, just. I feel like yeah. it's just her. She likes to be ornery, and it's her way or no way. And I think she's like wanted more oh, out of the night before. Possibly. And I feel like, yeah, you know, yeah, because he, they were on good terms, and all of a sudden she has to do something to like stir it up. Yeah, stir it up. Again. So then. They're walking along, and I love Margaret Ann. She's the one that's like, she's seven, I believe, but she has the, yes, she has like the wisdom and the, (laughs) I don't know what you want to say, of like a 40-year-old. She has an old soul. That's what you would say. Yeah. So she's talking to Suzanne and says that she feels closer to God on the trail than in church, and she wondered if that was wrong. Of course, Suzanne says no, because this is God's creation. I just like it, it is amazing how when you spend time in God's creation, how it can draw you closer to him. And I like that Lori kind of wove that in there through Margaret Ann. Mm-hmm. And then I have to laugh. So they're walking right behind the wagon and the wind is blowing. It, and it's blowing Suzanne's dress up. So he's constantly seeing what he calls her 
pantaloons or bloomers. I don't know. He gets irritated. I think he's more irritated because he likes it. You know what I'm saying? You know, because he is watching her. And so he tells her that she needs to sew a buckshot into the hem of her dress. And do you think women actually did that back then? I wonder. I was going to look that up. I guess I, I thought, well, that's I, interesting. I it, yeah. I, I thought, I think it's maybe one of those things that mm-hmm. some women knew and some women didn't. Yeah. You didn't realize that until, you know, it's yeah. kind of like certain things yeah. in life at different yeah. points. Some yeah. families teach different things. And he was more well. I don't know, but she was wealthy, too, so I don't get... But she also was never, like, out in the homestead before. She was more a city girl, and in the city, yeah. you necessarily wouldn't do that. But and then I really liked how Cass um, took Aaron under his wing and helps him because they come up to this hill uh, that they have to be because they joined another wagon train, and theirs is the first wagon to go over this yeah. really steep hill, and you had to they had to be very careful. Everyone had to get out of the wagon, and I just liked how Cass took Aaron under his wing and helped him like ease the wagon down because Aaron was driving the oxen while Cass and the other men had really had ropes tied to the back and were like anchoring down to kind of slow the descent down the hill. Uh, I like how he talks about, you know, when they're on, they met up with this other wagon train, there's another young girl, Ernestine, um, that Aaron likes, but she has her eye on Cass, you know? And Uh I had to laugh because he talks about, hey, you've seen talking to Aaron, trying to get him to relax before they go down the hill. It's like, have you seen how cute she is? Oh, oh, I might have noticed, you know, like he goes, oh, I'm sure you've noticed. (laughs) And then when Aaron gets done, he feels like such a man, you know, doing that. And he winks at Aaron Steen, just like Cass winks at the girl. So now Aaron's like picking up his traits. I I just absolutely loved it. (laughs) Yeah. And then Suzanne was so scared for Cass and she like runs and just embraces him in front of the kids. What was your thought? Like, mm-hmm. what were you thinking when yep. you read that? Like, oh, the kids are going to think uh-huh. something's going on now. Uh-huh. I think mixed signals for them. But I also think it shows how yeah. grateful she was to him and that yeah. that's how the kids already felt. And but. she was like, oh, uh in the middle of the hug, she's thinking, oh, my word, I hope he doesn't like reject me in front of the kids right now. And he didn't. He in fact, he said, oh, yeah, do you guys need some extra work since all you seem to be able to do right now is stand around and watch old people hug? And they kind of scattered from there. <laughs> right? but yeah, it's cute. And then Cole or not Cole. I'm sorry. Cass starts to be really proud of the kids. And as he's thinking about them and he's thinking he would claim any of them as his own. So I just love that that bonding is happening yeah. with them because they already absolutely love Suzanne. And then mm-hmm. the painted ladies show up on that wagon. <laughs> I had to laugh. What was your reaction? Like, what did you think about how the men reacted to that? And the women, really. The women were very, like, defensive. very defensive. And I feel like the men were trying. Yes. Yeah. It's like they couldn't not look. (laughs) Like, like, put in a really awkward situation. Falling out of their dresses and and they're watching. (laughs) I thought it was pretty funny. And then the one was, like, really eyeing Cass and talking to him about, we're going to camp not far from here. Maybe you want to come write a a letter to my, help me write a letter to my grandma, you know, like, wink, wink, you know. It was I thought it was pretty funny. And then the conversation, I think it starts on page 146 between Cass, Aaron, and Payne. Because they 
are asking Cass about those painted ladies. Yeah, asking about how uh, basically getting some love life advice yeah, like, from um, Cass. Those women we saw today. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, what about them? They yeah. weren't nice women, were they? That was Aaron. He was probably not. So a man's not supposed to have anything to do with that kind of woman, is he? He's, I guess it depends on the man. Some men take their pleasure where they find it, but a steady, God-fearing man would prefer a good woman and settle down and raise a family. And then Payne says, the good book says that kind of behavior is evil. And so they kind of just go through it. And then Aaron asks, have you been acquainted with one of those women? He's like, I don't want to say anything. So he goes, rule number one. Talk about it. A gentleman never kisses and tells. So then it makes you wonder about Cass a little bit. (laughs) Right. And then even if he's been kissing with one of them women... They asked, <laughs> and that was pain, I think. He said, especially if he's been kissing one of those women. <laughs> and then he asked, how, mu- how do you know so much about those women? And then Payne said, well, I saw this book one time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch what these kids read, oh, apparently. <laughs> like reading is the worst thing right now in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like, back in that time, I guess, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yeah, far more. TV, yeah. internet, Yeah, they just else. had to watch what they were reading. We have to watch what they're listening here. Yeah. Or, or see on the wagon trail yeah he does tell them there's nothing that can compare to it with a decent woman god-fearing woman like the bible says a good woman is worth more than rubies but then so they go through this and pain is like he's trying to say like a, a good woman is worth having and he goes well maybe but and then Cass is like uh, yeah. stop you can trust yeah. a woman like that with your <laughs> life she'll be there when you need her work with you pray with you and raise your children to be god-fearing adult and so then he goes talks about you know because they said well we don't really have a mother and he said you know i have a mother and she loves god she raised us to do the same and and then Payne goes well i suppose the kind of women you're talking about is all right but it seems to me the other kind is more exciting <laughs> and Cass is like well you're wrong okay yeah. you want this he goes and pain won't drop. He goes, what about the others? I already know what I'm supposed to want. And so then he talks about how the Bible says that those women lead men to destruction and all of this. Yeah. And then he, I love Cass says, if a man trifles with a woman, then walks away. He's nothing but a piece of trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is foreshadowing. I love it. <laughs> and then Payne goes, what kind of woman do you think Miss McCord is? And of course, Aaron's like totally on the defense. So she's a good woman. And then right. I love Payne. I think I'll just try out a few of the other kind before I look for a nice woman. <laughs> Seems like that'd be the <laughs> practical thing to do. And I love Cass is like, oh my gosh. He goes, what part of this conversation were you not listening to? (laughs) Right, right. But I also think it's kind of a reflection on the cast because we don't know his history, but the Wild Oats thing. But that whole conversation, I thought, yeah. I think that's kind of eye-opening, though, for Cass, you know, that what he's portraying Mm -hmm. to these children you know, kind of put yeah. him in his place. And yes, you can right. say one thing, but are you doing it? You know, it's easy to talk the talk. Yep. So then Cass is getting ready to write out. I think he's wanting to write out to check because he knows the gang is following them and he wanted to circle back and check on that. She thinks he's going to go see that lady, that painted lady. Oh, yeah. Well, and I forgot to mention earlier when the, the ladies were there driving by, he had a cigar in his mouth and he was talking to the lady and it made Suzanne really jealous and she took the bullwhip and whipped the cigar and split it in half. And I was like, 
That's pretty oh, impressive. Man. Never touched him once. So then when he yeah. is saddling up and getting ready to leave, she gets that whip out again. She cuts yeah. his shirt down the back and around the shoulder, never once leaving a mark on him with the whip. I was impressed. Of course, <laughs> he's <crazy>. living. <laughs> she's like, you're going to go see that redhead. Yeah. You know, she's so mad. Of course, he's just trying and to And then she's her. like, we need to behave like husband and wife. Now that threw me for a loop. I'm like, like, seriously? <laughs> Let's whip each other then. Why? Why are you insisting that he acts like your husband? Didn't make sense. So then she finally admits to Cass that she sent the uh, telegram from Bo. And Cass has like lack of reaction. He's like, yeah, I pretty much figured it out. Did that surprise you? I mean, in regards to her, I think he just mm-hmm. knows not to expect anything good. <laughs> like, Yeah. And then Duke falls off the cliff and is hanging there. And then there's rattlesnakes oh, yeah, down crazy. there. Oh, yeah. What I mean, when everywhere. I mean, what was your reaction when you were reading through that scene? Were you like, I was worried and scared, and yeah. you know how snakes have been. He before. tries to tell Duke like it's the snakes are fine, they're fine, just don't move. Then the snakes realize, mm-hmm. oh, there's warmth. So they start yeah. moving towards him, and then he lets the snake crawl like halfway across his boot, and then flings it away. Crazy. So then, once again, those outlaws. So the whole wagon train. The men are all out hunting and the women are all down doing the wash in Suzanne. Corliss said she would do it. So Suzanne's by herself pretty much back at the camp and that Joe outlaw comes in as being disrespectful towards her and Harlan gets, Harlan was, because he broke his leg, so he was in the wagon. So he gets the gun out and forces him to leave and Cass gets very angry about that man coming in harassing Suzanne. But I like yeah. how he and the boys like banded together to protect the women. Cass took Aaron with him yeah. to go beat up the outlaws. Pretty much what they did. Yep. And the, he said, I'm leaving the other two. I need men here in charge of the women to take care of them. And then they come back. Aaron and Cass come back smiling, but like beat up, but smiling. And they're carrying pumpkins. Right. And they tell her, we've just been out picking pumpkins. <laughs> and she, I feel like, has no clue. She didn't totally no fall clue. for it, but she was like. Yep. Yeah. I think she still thinks that they were out with the redhead. So then she bears her feelings to Cass. And they, he just keeps pushing her away because he doesn't want to be in love with her but he is falling in love with her right and he doesn't want to you know make the marriage valid yeah and so then it's so funny then the next day margaret ann asked Cass to marry suzanne oh that's so sweet you know why because they look at him as a dad and she's like their mother And then were you surprised by, um, okay, so they end up camping outside of a town and this is where the rest of them are going to split off and they're going to go their own way by themselves. So that last night, are you surprised by Suzanne's boldness? Because she wants, she keeps asking God to make him his, her real husband, not just in paper, on paper. Right. So she, he spreads his bedroll out away from everyone and she, he walks away when he comes back. She's laying on his, (laughs) on his bedroll. In it. And he <laughs> first lays down yeah. and keeps his back to her, but then he can't do it. He t- he rolls around and they become man and wife. Yeah. I was more surprised at him, I think, than her. I think once she has her mind settled, that is true. she's going to do whatever. But, and that's kind of how it goes with Cass. Like, she... Yeah. Forces him in I mean, stuff. But even that, I, I didn't, didn't think, think he that he that. was going to. Because he said he didn't want. Given. Right. So then yeah, right, right. the next day, she's totally embarrassed and completely regrets her decision 
to do that. And then he acts like nothing happened, which I don't know. I think that just hurt her more. Yeah, I would agree. And then so they're moving on. I still can't stand the way Cass just acts like nothing happened because that's a huge thing. I mean, he never wanted to do that because then it's no longer an annulment. It's a divorce because you've made the marriage real. And knowing his background, like knowing how he was raised. Right. Just floors me. So then buffalo hunters show up again. Once again, Cass is out hunting and these buffalo hunters show up and they want to stay with them. And are you surprised at how Cass is acting after he slept with Suzanne? Like he's just like barking at her and then he's mad because she let the buffalo Mm -hmm. hunters stay there. I think he's protective, but not wanting to be protective. Like he's I think he's ashamed of what he's done. And I think that's how he's dealing with it. Yeah. He's taking down her and reflecting that guilt to her. And then he told her, once supper's over, you get in the wagon and you don't come out because the one man was asking, where, yeah. where's that woman at? Like, right. you said that you're not married. Right. So she's free to, to have, right. you know. And he said he was very, very protective. He kind of hit kind of stood off in the shadows where he couldn't be seen and just watched and listened. And he, to himself, said Claxton's take care of Claxton's even if Suzanne came by the name dishonestly. She's a Claxton. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, maybe he yeah. might come around. I don't know. <laughs> and then they get to Cherry Grove and her father's house has burnt oh down and he died in the fire. Oh I mean, gosh. I was shocked. Oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. I was like, yeah. I didn't cry, but I was almost like, yeah, because oh, they have no home. She here she is there's what 12 of them no home and yeah i loved how Cass came alongside and this is where he started calling her honey and sweetheart it's gonna be okay and is helping her he built this huge home for them which i thought was was surprising yeah I, I was really surprised, but I get he did it for the kids. Yeah, he did. Well, he says that, but then he had a special, yeah. like he made her room very special. Yeah. And then I felt bad for Suzanne when he took her out to the cemetery and she was so disappointed that her father never knew how she had changed yeah. um, for the better too. What did you think about Bo and Cass's reunion? Like Cass goes to Bo's house for help, you know, for I mean, building. Was, yeah. And he's making fun of his wife. <laughs> yes. Like, he picks her up and swings her around. And, and Bo's like, let me yeah, have her. And he goes, yeah, man, you're around. a cow, Charity. And he goes, yeah. Bo, you better tell your brother I'm carrying your kids again. You know? yeah. <laughs> they keep having twins, I know, too. I know. I was like, what? That's crazy. It is so crazy. But he will always wanted a big family. He did. So I was really happy. For yeah, him. I was totally happy. <laughs> But I was like, Cass, you don't say that to your sister-in-law. Right. Like, You're lucky she'll be, especially with good I know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right. I thought it was a really nice reunion. And Bo is really pushing him on Suzanne. Like, Right. But I don't think he knew the whole story at yeah. that point. He's, he's in it. He didn't admit it, did he? I don't think he ever. No, I don't think he did. Yeah, I think it was a little later. So then at that same time, Suzanne's finally saying, I'm done. I'm done trying to take control of situations because it's left me in a bad, in a very bad way at this point where she's just trying to force Cole or I'm sorry, Cass to stay with her. So 
she just abandons that and gives everything back to God, which takes a strong faith to do, I think. And then we move on at the in chapter three. 13. Mine is or chapter thirteen. Sorry, I'm going backwards. Mine's page two sixty eight. I'm not sure what it is in your. My top of two sixty eight is just Bo making fun of. Yeah, it's a, the pages are a little different, aren't they? It says nine, huh? Your women all catch up with you at one time. That's right. I did love that because. Because I've got nine kids to take care of. You know, right. it's like all those women come back to you right. at once. And so then that also makes you go, I think Cass has been quite wild. Even his brother is like, you right. you know, hinting at that. You're right. So anyways, he builds this house. He takes Suzanne through it. He shows her his room, her room last. And he had decorated it in purple and blue. He said purple because it reminds it's her favorite color and blue because that's how he feels about leaving her and the kids. Right. Aww. She says she wouldn't stand in the way in the way of his leaving, but it would break her heart to let him go, particularly now when she held the one weapon that would bring Cass Claxton to his knees and she'd promised God she wouldn't use it. OK, when you read that, did you know what she was talking about? I had a feeling the first time I read it, I was clueless. I'm like, I'm thinking what weapon could she possibly have? Not once thinking about what they did earlier, you know? I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah. Oh no, the one one time. That's all it takes. I, that's true. So anyways, I felt like clueless like Suzanne at that point when I didn't catch it till it came out. I didn't catch on until, you know, they're writing letters back and forth um, after he leaves. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I was pretty sick a week ago. And then I went, she's pregnant. But it took that yeah. long for me to figure it out. I... Pretty slow. <laughs> and how did you react to Cass leaving? Because all the kids were so, so sad. And Phoebe gave him yeah. his, her doll, Maribel, that he did like surgery yeah. on her for and everything. And she said he, she needs to be with her papa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you're sad. killing me, Cass. Heartbreaking. I can't you're running away from your family. Especially after doing all that for them. Yeah. So, you know, they do this letter writing back and forth and Cass is trying to figure out what he wants. It's been almost a year or something. I can't remember how long it's been. Was it two? Almost? Maybe it was like 18 months that he was gone. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was 11 months. He hadn't been gone quite a year when Aaron showed up on his doorstep in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's right. right. What did you think of words, Cass's words coming back to him through Aaron? Because Aaron's like, I really respect you, but you're a piece of trash. And he had no idea. What he was talking about. No idea idea that she's yeah when she says and Suzanne how is she she's fine sir had you a fine son a few months back oh yeah well that's good <laughs> wait what <laughs> like I know. oh yeah yeah what did he say you had don't mean any disrespect sir but you had this coming you're a no good sorry piece of trash sir he doubled his fist and struck out. Yeah. And then he said, I've whipped men for less than yep. this. That's what Cass said. Yeah. Because yeah. he called him Aaron. I'm proud of Aaron. You know, he's become a man. He yeah. hit him and told him he was a piece of trash, which is what Cass said. A man who trifles with a woman and walks away is a piece of trash. Right. So he and then Aaron's like, I'm going to take whatever he throws at me. He goes, then you better get to whipping, sir, because it's the truth. I was like, I'm so proud of him. And Cass did a lot to help shape him, I feel like. And then they finally decided it was time for him to go meet his son. I On page 290, she uh, has a line in there that says, do be... Do Obedience. <laughs> Disobedience sometimes demands a high price. And I would agree. I mean, I think we've all done stuff we shouldn't have done and paid a price for 
it at some point or another. But what did you think about the ending? So they end up getting married and they have all the, yeah, after the divorce, they have all the kids as part of the wedding. I thought was really sweet. But then at the end, it's the three brothers standing there um, really just bragging about their wives. Like Cole's like, I got the best one, boys. And Bo's like, oh, no. And then (laughs) uh, Bo says to Cass, I guess Suzanne will do in a pinch. But you two, but have you two really looked at charity? Now, gentlemen, there's a woman. And then Cole's laughing. He goes, bro, there's no disrespect intended, but Winnie's got your women beat hands down. (laughs) But anyways, I thought, and then it ends with Samuel Claxton Sr. would have been right proud of his sons. Yeah, I liked how she ended that. I like it. Yeah. So what were your overall thoughts of the Maverick? I liked it. I mean, I thought it was a great story Mm -hmm. on the trails, you know, the wagon trails and how you find love out there. I mean, it it wasn't Mm -hmm. at all like any of the other books. Mm -hmm. It was totally unexpected, I thought. But I do like how she introduced. Yeah, I kind of pulled it over. Yeah, it's cute. Pulled it together. I like how they intertwine. I really do. But I I liked it. Suzanne, I still am not. You know, she's not my favorite, but, yeah. <laughs> but all these women yeah. have been a Stubborn. little a tricky and, mm-hmm. you know, getting these collected men, you know, I feel like they've all kind of been yeah. a little tricked. I would agree. Kind another. of pushed so. into it, but then they just fall head over yeah. heels in love with them. So it works out. Right. But yeah, I loved it. If I had to re- put it in like the three that we've read, this one's my favorite so far. And I think it was the adventure part of it. Yeah, I really, yeah. like, you know, the traveling on the trail. And yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, I like that piece of it and the slowly falling in love through it. Although I will say Suzanne is probably the most irritating woman out of the three to me because she does seem totally imbalanced. Like, I love you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. You know, yeah. I kind of like, oh, yeah. what yeah. rating would you give it? Well, you know, I gave five out of five for the other one. So I mean, I'm the same way, but I'm kind of like, can I go six? I'm because not- I loved <laughs> it so much more than the others. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's hard. So no, it's definitely five out of five again. yeah okay. how about that five that five works for less. me i'm gonna how go six so it's okay <laughs> if you okay. of the three we've read so far so we have one more left mm-hmm. um in what order would you rank the first three books like which one would you put first second third um, yeah i really like the peacemaker so i mean i like that story but maybe the second one to yeah i mean i like both it's hard i can't read them. you can't put them in order so here's what i would do no i like the order you like the order in, they're, they're written okay i do like the order that they're in i would agree but to rank them it would be the maverick the drifter and then the peacemaker in mine. We still, but the Maverick wouldn't be as good if you wouldn't have read the first two. This is true. Though I like the order they're in. I don't get me wrong. I do like the order they're in. It's just at favorites. I mean, favorites, literally, when yeah. I read the Maverick when I finished it the first time, I went back and just reread the parts I really loved Aww. again before I did a whole Aww. new read of it. But um, so then we have one more in this series, The Plainsman. Honestly, if it were me, now that I've read through them, I probably wouldn't have made it my fourth book. I probably would have read it out of order, but you'll see that when you start reading. So we'll talk about that next time. Okay, I won't. I won't give too much away. I yeah, have a good day to sit and read because that's what I ended up happening with this one. Yeah, I started it on a lunch break. Yeah. Oh no, bad idea. And then I got home that night and yes. I'm like, yeah. Well, the drifter I read in one day. It was a Saturday when I. I started it, yeah, Saturday, and I finished it. I love it. I like reading them all. The Maverick took me longer to get through, but that's because now we have two puppies, and they're like having babies, and 
they interrupt your reading time. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And we hope that you turn tune in next month as we continue the Men of the Saddle series with the Plainsman. If you would like to purchase the Drifter or the Maverick and support our show, use our affiliate link on literaryscape.com. As always, subscribe and become a Patreon for access to additional content. Until next time, happy and blessed reading. Thank you for listening to Literary Escape's Historical Inspirational Book Club podcast. Join us next month for another exciting episode. To support the show and access additional content and author interviews, become a patron. Visit literaryscape.com for more details. Thank you.